good morning, Cap City. Let's thank God today. Let's stand and worship. to hide this weary soul this bag of I try to throw my mind but I just can't win the fight I'm slowly drifting a bag and just when I ran out of road I met a man I thank the Savior because He healed my heart. He changed my name forever free. I'm not the same. I thank the Master. I thank the Savior. I thank God. I cannot deny what I've seen. Got no choice but to believe my doubts are believe. Like ashes in the So, so long to my old friends. Burden and bitterness, you can just keep it moving. No, you ain't helping me. From now till I walk the streets of gold, I'll sing of how you saved my soul. This way where a child has found its way back home. He picked me up, he turned me around, and placed my feet on solid ground. I thank the Master, I thank the Savior, because he healed my heart, he changed my name, forever free. I'm not the same, I thank the Master, I thank the Savior. Savior, because he healed my heart, he changed my name, forever free. I'm not the same, I think the master, I think the savior, because he healed my heart, he changed my name, forever free. I'm not the same, I think the master, I think the savior, because he healed my heart, he changed my name, forever free. I'm not the same
Cause he healed my heart He changed my name Forever free I'm not the same I thank the master I thank the savior I thank God Oh. 
Check. Okay. I'm going to let you be seated here for just a moment. I don't like people to have to stand up. I'm going to talk for more than a minute or two. Here in a second, we're going to continue in worship. We're still in a state and a mindset of worship, hopefully. But uh, before we sing this next song, when we continue in worship, you can feel free to take whatever posture of worship um, you feel led to take, whether it be here at the altar. We're going to take time to pray for those who would like to. We're going to allow you to stand or sit. We just sang a song about a good, good father. And uh, one of my favorite verses on him being a good father is, or passages is when he said that if we being evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will your heavenly father not give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I've prayed this verse, read this verse hundreds of times, I suppose, in my lifetime. Found myself on my knees praying it again last night. In the Bible, when we see light and darkness, when we see evil and good, sometimes it wasn't that Jesus was saying we're bad people. He was saying, in comparison to your heavenly father, though, that's about how you look because he's just that good. It wasn't to speak of how bad we are. It was to speak about how great our heavenly father is. Because here's how bad I am as a father. He said, if, if, if I, Jonathan Barker, being evil, like to give good gifts to Wesley and Luke and Benjamin, which I do, I don't know about any of you, I, it, I struggle. You, you know, as parents, we're not supposed to spoil them. We're not supposed to give them everything they want all the time. But man, if I have the means to do so, I love to do it. Isn't it just the greatest feeling to give one of your children a gift? To give them something that you know is going to bring a smile to their face? And it's usually something temporary, isn't it? 
in my house it could be a video game or a pack of cards that Allison will throw a fit about us leaving all over the house somewhere, right? She doesn't throw a fit. She's, she's better than that. But she has to deal with us boys just buying all this boy stuff that we just leave laying around and becomes obsolete so quick. But as much as I want to give all that stuff to a, th- to the, to a thousand more, to, to the nth degree, the Father wants to give you the Holy Spirit. Do you ask for it? I, I mean, do, do you really ask for it? Not talking about knowing it's part of our theology or part of our sanctification process or about when we sing about it in a song. I'm talking about asking for the Holy Spirit because it's a big ask. Because let me tell you what the Holy Spirit's going to do. He's not going to deal with sin anymore in your life. Does that make sense? We're not praying for some kind of emotional high or some over-caffeinated jubilation, right, that we compare to the the movement of the Holy Spirit. He's going to come in and he's going to rearrange your life. So you have to be careful what you ask for today. You're asking for the Holy Spirit of God to have his way in your life. And he'll give it to you. But it's going to mix up some things in your life, and it's going to cause a cleansing, and it's going to cause a a renewed sense of purpose and a redirection maybe from the path that you're going on. This next song we're going to sing is called Here as in Heaven. That's what we pray, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth here as it is in heaven. Let me read you a few lines from the lyrics of this song. The atmosphere is changing now, for the Spirit of the Lord is here. The evidence is all around that the Spirit of the Lord is here. This song was in my, in my head as I was praying last night, and I thought, what would, what, would, what would work for you as evidence? He said, man, the Holy Spirit moved in the service today. What's that mean, that we, we sang the third verse twice, that the pastor preached shorter or longer, that a certain number of people came to the altar? What would that evidence look like for you? When we get to the course, we say, overflow in this place. Overflow. I, I don't, I don't want a drip of the Holy Spirit. I don't want a trickling of the Holy Spirit. I want an overflowing of the Holy Spirit in my life. And if it's overflowing in my life, you're going to recognize it and you're going to be interested. Some of us have struggled to share the gospel with other people because we say it just doesn't seem to be working. Well, they're not seeing the overflow. They're not seeing the overflow. A couple years ago, Lee Strobel shared a very sobering fact that if we do the math on the Church of America, that on average... 86, it takes 86 Christians meeting for 52 weeks a year to see one person come to repentance. I don't think that's what God intended. Not when 10 or 12 filled with his spirit saw thousands come to repentance in a weekend. Something's happening, church, and I think it's a void of people crying out for the Holy Spirit and being open to the transformation that he wants to do in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives. The song goes on to say, you're the reason we came. I wonder why you came today. Some of you came because it's Sunday morning, that's what you do. Some of you came because it was raining outside, and if, if, if it's the truth, you're not the one laughing, but you, you, you might be here, and if it would have been sunny, you might have found something else to do. Some of you are here because you volunteered or signed up for something, and we're glad that you're here. 
I, I do, I will probably show up every week, Randy, I think, because I, I should. I, but why did you come today? Was it because of the Holy Spirit? Because you were hoping to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit? We're going to be in 1 Samuel today. I'm not starting the sermon. I'm going to stop preaching so they can sing and then I'll preach. But just a little preview. In 1 Samuel chapter 3 where we're going to be today, it said that the young boy Samuel went to lay down. And man, this just hit me like I've never seen it before in this text. Where the Ark of the Covenant was. In the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant is where they believed that the presence of God dwelt. And do you know why they believe that? Because that's where the presence of God dwelt. And he was young, and we're going to forgive him, and we're going we're to talk today about why he didn't know right away that it was God speaking to him. But as I, as I saw that in the passage this week, I just thought to myself, church, how bad would it be if we were here in the very presence of God and we missed it, and we didn't know his voice. I'd say it'd be a tragedy, because we're not the young boy Samuel. We are people who know the word, who have the word, who know the songs, who know the Holy Spirit and claim to be filled and sanctified by his work. So we're going to sing this song, and as we do sing this song today, maybe you'll feel led to pray. If you don't feel led to pray for a particular struggle in your life or, or because God's asking you to pray for someone else, I would say there's always room to just come and pray and say, Lord, would, your, would you allow your Holy Spirit to overflow in this place? Because I'm not content, church, with who I am in the sense of people seeing the Holy Spirit in my life. I want it to grow. I want to see it become a greater witness to what's taking place in my life. Father, we pray that during these next few moments, as we continue to worship Lord, that people would just cry out to you as they see fit, Lord. But maybe, God, even if they don't feel compelled this morning, that they would just understand that sometimes we pray because you told us to pray. We pray because you've promised that when we ask for certain things that you're not going to refuse them to us. And, Lord, I wonder what could happen in a place like Cap City today on Rathmel Road if multiple individuals would just say, Lord, would you fill me again with your Holy Spirit? Or Lord, I don't understand what the Holy Spirit is, but it seems like it's something pretty good. If you're willing to give it to me and you're better than my father or my mother or whoever that great person has been in my life. Lord, help us just to be mindful of the movement of your spirit in this place today in Jesus' name. Amen.
atmosphere is changing now For the Spirit of the Lord is here The evidence is all around That the Spirit of the Lord is here is changing now For the Spirit of the Lord is here The evidence is all around The Spirit of the Lord is here Overflowing this place Fill our hearts with your love, your love surrounds us. You're the reason we came to encounter your love, your love surrounds us. Atmosphere is changing now. For the Spirit of the Lord is here. The evidence is all around that the Spirit of the Lord is here. The atmosphere is changing. is all around but the spirit of the Lord is here overflow Spirit of God, fall fresh on us. We need your presence, your kingdom. 
in this place. that we that we come across can't help but interact with you and your spirit because it just overflows from each of us. God, we're just grateful for what you're doing in our house this morning. You may be seated, but just before we sit down, I asked Pastor Jonathan if I could share something with you. That as we were headed down to our council in the South Central District, 
in Nipshin, Ohio. As I was making my way down there, we were praying, thy will be done. Come now as in heaven. And when we got to the council, we were told that Ralph and Becky Huck, some of you know them as the ones who work at headquarters, but dear friends of Connie and I's for years and years and years. They had a grandson who is, what, 18 months old? Is that right? 16? 16 months old. And Becky called Connie and said to her, please pray for our grandson whose name is Isaiah, that Isaiah is coughing and he has a fever and we're not sure what's happening. At 3.45 in the morning, they had taken him to the hospital and they sent him to Columbus. After he got in the hospital in Columbus, it was determined that he had the croup, but he also had been infected with COVID. And they said that we are going to have to transfer this child to ICU. They transferred and Becky wrote a note and said to Connie and to others, please pray. We need a miracle. We need a miracle. People began to pray and when we came there to counsel, Ralph gave his report as he always does and he said this about COVID. He said, if COVID was a snake, I'd take a, a, a shovel and I'd, I'd cut his head off and I'd watch him die a slow, agonizing death. And I thought, my goodness, but that's about how we feel. And he said, just pray for my grandson. As he began to, as the afternoon began to wear on, they began to then say, he can't breathe that it's going to take, and they were getting ready to intubate him, 16 months old. The parents were there. They were frantic. They were trying to figure out what they could do. They called word down again and texted, and we took time in the South Central District Council to pray, and we, we all stood and we all prayed. And then we went on with business. And there was a lady that was sitting clear in the back. And she got up. It was so unusual. You see this all the time, but so unusual. She got up in the back and, and she started lifting her hand like this. And she said, Brother Mike, Mike Holbrook, who's our general superintendent, I have to come up there and I have to talk. Well, when that starts happening, when in some places you begin to think, oh man, what do we got here? This lady gets up here in the front and she takes the microphone and she says, if I don't pray, something's going to explode in me. God is telling me I need to be anointed for this child. And I want people to gather around. And I want people to pray for this child. I'm sorry to take time out of the business of the council, but I've just got to pray. 
And so people gathered all around, and some of you that are new to Christian Union, you, you probably don't understand this. But they asked me to get up and pray in the platform, and, and I just joined. And when they started praying, they started praying what we call Christian Union style, which means everybody prays together. And I know it scares people to death today. But, I mean, they all started praying. And we prayed from that moment that something would happen. When we got home, there was a text to Connie. I don't know what's happened, but all of a sudden he's breathing better. <laughs> I don't know what's all going on, but the doctor is saying we're going to withdraw the medicine from him. I don't know what's happened, but they texted us last night and said they're moving him from ICU to a step-down unit. They texted this morning and said, we are taking him home today. I just want to say, praise the Lord. God is able. And if it's all right with Pastor Jonathan and all right with you guys, could you just sing one more time, a miracle can happen now? And I just want to tell you, let's all just stand and worship at the top of our lungs because we are praying, thy will be done, thy kingdom come. A miracle can happen now. And I believe that God can do a miracle in your life. He can do a miracle in our lives. This is a house of miracles. Let's trust him today as we sing it together. Miracle could happen now For the Spirit of the Lord is here The evidence is all around That the Spirit of the Lord is here I appreciate David sharing that testimony. Many of us were praying for Isaiah. And uh, if you were here last night, Dr. Hermes preached a message, uh, really not, not to oversimplify it, but he talked about the fact that bad things happen to us. And uh, there's three, three pretty basic reasons they happen to us. Number one, we make bad decisions. Sometimes we can't blame the devil or things in this world. Sometimes we make bad decisions. But number two, we live in a fallen world. And number three, we, there are real attacks of the enemy. And as I listened to Dr. Hermes last night, and just as I sat there and listened to the testimony that David shared with us about Isaiah, every single one of those can be taken care of by prayer. We can change the decisions we make. We can pray that a fallen world, that salvation and the movement of the Holy Spirit means that creation can be healed. And we can pray against the works of the enemy, right? 
that, that we would not be led into temptation, that we would be protected against the attacks of the evil one. So we're glad that you're here this morning. If you're a visitor um, and here with us for the first time, um, we're so glad that you're here. Um, I know we're kind of in a transition period as I've only been the pastor here for the last couple months. So if you're watching online and trying to decide whether or not you're going to come check us out in person, you should probably do so very soon here at uh, 464 Rathmel. But uh, um, please, if you are new, um, we love to help you get plugged in. We, we really believe that if you're here this morning, that you're here for a reason. And uh, not, not in the sense that everything happens for a reason, but you had to make a choice to come to a place uh, that perhaps you've never been before or didn't know anything about. Um, and if you did so, I, I believe that God wants to reveal more of himself and more of this church to you. And so if you fill out a connection card, we'd love to help you make that happen. Um, so we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 3. Um, we're wrapping up our series. We've got a series we've been working on called Words. In the first week, we talked about talk and how we use our words. And last week, we talked about listening to the words of others. And this week, we're going to talk about listening to the words of God. And I, I want to start with talking about what bedtime might look like for us. Um, you know, bedtime routines start for us at a very young age. Um, you know, for many of you, depending on what your experience was when you've had children, um, some of you may have already blocked out that, those sleepless nights uh, of, of what it meant to bring a newborn home, but you came home with tricks on how to try to get them to sleep, and if they would sleep in the, the rocker or the swing or with the sound machine or with the passy or the blankie, whatever it might be, um, some of you had to make that decision about whether or not to let your baby cry it out, right? Like you had to decide what you were going to do with that. But we're raising young boys right now, and so all that stuff's fresh in our mind and still occasionally pops up. But for nighttime might mean uh, a nightlight. It, it might mean a, a drink of water. It might mean a, a blankie. If they're a really good, well-advanced child, it might mean brushing their teeth, right? They can't go to sleep without brushing their teeth. It might mean being read a story or checking the closet for monsters. Hopefully that fades away as you become an adult. But um, I, I really did, I wanted to bring in a few items from my house. These aren't all in my bedroom, but um, just some things that I had around the house that I thought about that people might use to go to sleep at night. Um, I don't know, because see, I'm gonna, I was going to ask like if you use some of these things, but I don't use them all, and I might judge you, and I just don't know if I, that's right, if I should go down that road. Um, some of you need a TV on to sleep at night. Some of you use a sleep, they, right? Television companies knew this to the extent that they put sleep timers on TVs, didn't they? That's the funk, that was the reason so that I could watch TV and fall asleep. Um, here is, uh, this is Wesley's uh, Alexa, right? So he can play music on it. It's a clock. Um, it tells him the weather or a uh, ho whole bunch of other things, right? We all know what Alexa does. Um, this is a, an air purifier um, that my doctor told me to get that I don't use. Um, so maybe I'll leave it here in my office and try to keep the air in my office pure. Um, but th that makes some noise and it has these little LED lights on it. So I can't use it because the lights bother me when I try to sleep. This is a fan. You all know a bunch of you in here, you know, like this is where I probably get the most hands. You need that fan on. You need that white noise um, to sleep. Uh, I, I think about some other things. You know, we, we've got the TV and we've got the fan and we've got the clock and we've got the air purifier. And pil like body pillows, everybody knows what a body pillow is, right? You need that big thing to hold on to. 
Um, now, I will say I'm kind of a pillow snob. I, if I travel and I can fit my pillow in the car, I, I'd say I could sleep like in the desert as long as I had my pillow, not the brand, but the pillow that belongs to me. Um, we, so we use sound machines. We use food to go to sleep. We use alcohol to go to sleep. We use pills to go to sleep, right? There's a brand of chamomile tea called Sleepy Time. We use diffusers, right? That's how you know I'm not using a sermon from 10 years ago. We use diffusers and diffuse all kinds of different things. Uh, Maybe with or without CBD today, I don't know. But why do we use all these things to try to go to sleep at night? It's because the silence screams the truth. That's why you use it all. The silence screams the truth. The noise that we produce with these different things, it masks what creeps in the night outside of our window or inside of our minds. In our story today, the young boy Samuel hears God speak in the night. I've heard people say, it seems like the only time I hear God is in the middle of night of the night. And anybody that's ever said that to me, I said, well, if you would make time for him during the day, he wouldn't have to do that. We usually don't say at the church. I probably have to work on that one. But as, as hopefully you found your way to 1 Samuel chapter 3, let me see, set the scene for you a little bit. I can't read you the whole story. It's, it's too long. Many of you know the story, but I'll remind you of some of the characters and what's going on. We'll pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 7 here in just a second. But we have a, a man named Elkanah, and he's married to famously known Hannah. She's kind of the star of this story. Um, and he actually has two wives. Um, there's Hannah and Paniah. And... You know, we've see, we see stories like this throughout the scripture, but Elkanah is um, with these two wives, and Paniah is able to have children, and Hannah is not. And so Hannah goes to the, to the temple every year when they go to offer sacrifices, and she prays, and she prays, and she prays, God, open my womb. So much to the point that Eli comes by, the, the, the priest that's there at the temple, and says, She's acting like she's drunk. She looks like a drunk person. She's praying so foolishly. And then um, it's important for us to know as we move forward that one of the things that we're going to run into with Eli in chapter 2 is that he's got a couple sons who are abusing their their priestly power, if you will, and and, and doing horrible things and committing sins. And and that's going to play a part in our story um, today. So as Hannah prayed, she just continually prayed, God, if you give me a child... I will dedicate this child to the work of the Lord. I will wean him. I will bring him up to the temple. He will live here. He will be a servant of Eli. She shares this with Eli, and Eli pretty much just says, well, let it be. Okay, if that's what you want, we're going to let it be. And she left and quit mourning, and she went that year, and she had a child. And um, so Eli essentially, I think almost as a high priest, granted her prayer or prayed on her behalf. And so as we move forward in the story, we have Samuel now of age, and he's working in the temple with Eli, and it's bedtime. And on two different times, Samuel hears a voice, and he believes that it's Eli who has called him, though the Lord was speaking. So let's pick up now in verse 7 of 1 Samuel chapter 3. 
Now, it says Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Don't take for granted that your children know the Lord. Not of the Lord, know the Lord. We need to pray for our children to be saved. It's important. Nor had the word of the Lord yet been revealed to him. So the Lord called Samuel again for the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli discerned that the Lord was calling the boy. And Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be if he calls you that you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Then the Lord came and stood and called as as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. The Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel, at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In that day I will carry out against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I am about to judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knew, because his sons brought a curse on themselves, and he did not rebuke them. Therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. So Samuel lay down until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. But Samuel was afraid. Samuel was afraid to obey the Lord. Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. He said, what is the word that he spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all the words that he spoke to you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him, see, let him do what seems good to him. So we're just going to run through, as we talk about listening to God this week, just kind of three basic ideas when it comes to the voice of God. And number one is, is hearing the voice of God. The number one reason that we don't hear from God is because we're not even attempting to listen. We just talked about all these things. And, 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 and what's it mean to listen? What's it mean to listen? To give someone your undivided attention. I think there's certain phrases that we've said for so long that we haven't stopped lately and thought about what they mean. Undivided. When we talk about something being undivided, it means it's one or in one direction. When I divide something, it's now in two. So the attention that I'm giving you is being split between you and some, someone or something else. I, you can know as a pastor, if I walk up to you and you're doing this, I, you know, I just, on, 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 I'm talking to you. Oh, yeah, and you, and you back to where, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just assume that you're going to forget or didn't pay attention to anything that I said. In fact, every once in a while, we use these things for notes. Every once in a while, someone's talking to me, and I'll grab my phone because I need to make some notes, and I'll look at them, and I want to make sure that they know, hey, I'm getting my phone just to write down what you're saying. I'm not checking a text, or because you just assume that's what people are doing today. Let me tell you a wonderful story uh, that, that has to do with undivided attention and what we think takes priority in our life. So many of you know the names Joe Johnson and Wayne Nisley. They used to help run inner city ministries where we have church at Como right now. And when they were struggling with some health and when one of them had passed away, every once in a while I would um, go in and fill when they would have a church that would request, hey, would you come to our church and talk about the inner city ministries and the work they were doing? So I was at a particular church. There's no chance I'll tell you which one it is because you, you'll probably know the church and you could know the person. So um, it, hopefully you weren't there. Or if you were, you'll say amen. Amen. Um, 
But I got up and I began to preach. And the missionary president that had invited me to come and speak was sitting on the stage in a chair that we had on the stage after she had introduced me. And she was sitting there listening like everyone else was. And her phone went off. It began to ring. We've all seen this. We all judge everybody. And then when we happen, we ha- when it happens to us, we have an excuse as to why it happened, right? Well, we've all been in that room when the cell phone wasn't silenced and it begins to go off and you hear somebody, you see somebody scrambling and you try to ignore it, not give it attention. On this particular night, I thought, well, I'll just kind of slow down for a second to give her a chance to turn off her ringer. That's what you do, right? So I tried to find kind of an intentional pause in the sermon. And as she scrambles through her purse to find her phone, she picks it up and she hits answer. And she picks the phone up to her ear and says, hello? And I'm going, you've got to be careful. Like, I'm now actually concerned because I give most people the benefit of the doubt. I really do. I give you the benefit of the doubt. If, if I think you're wrong about something, I'll try to assume that you're right first. I'm a nice guy like that. Do you know what went through my head? Someone is dying. Someone has been in a car accident. She has to take this phone call. Nope, I sat and listened for like the next 90 seconds, and it had something to do with lunch plans the next day. what gets our attention? How often does God get your attention? When you go to give him your attention, what does it take to steal it away? Will a phone call do it? Will an email do it? Will a TV show do it? Will another person do it? What does it take to steal the attention that belongs to God? Even in a service like this, Everything I just wouldn't have, man, we just needed somebody's phone to go off right there, didn't we? But man, if somebody's cell phone rings, if a kid cries, if a door opens, the chances of 100% of the eyes on this stage staying up here are, are next to none. We don't seem to give our undivided attention to anything these days, and Satan is incredibly happy with that. Because he knows that if you get focused on God, right? The scriptures tell us to be still and know that he is God, that will quit knowing who God is. That's what will happen in your life if you don't make space and time to be still before God. You will forget who he is. You will have a version of him in your head, but it will not be who he actually is. And a counterfeit or a synthetic impression of who God is is the most dangerous thing that you could have in your life. Hearing the voice, voice of God requires listening. Go to the Word. Go to the Word. So many times when we say we want to hear from God, we don't even know His Word. What if your decision-making ran through the filter of what will expand the kingdom of God? I mean, this takes, this takes some big, wide-lens telescopes or binoculars sometimes, right? What will be the best for the kingdom of God? What will draw people to Christ? What will show love? What takes the most faith? Did you know that hearing from God can take place in prayer? I would argue that that I've learned that praying should involve just as much listening as it does speaking, maybe more. God already knows everything I have to say. I need to know more of what he wants me to hear. In a book called Too Busy Not to Pray, it says that the number one reason our prayers go unanswered is because of prayerlessness. We're just not praying, church. And if we're barely taking time to pray, we certainly aren't taking any time to listen. We talk about prayer. We pretend we pray. 
We call our own thinking and wondering prayer, but we don't pray like we should. And if prayer involves listening to God, we could deduct that we aren't listening as we should either. To hear God, we have to declutter. We have to declutter. Bob Goff, in one of his latest books, talked about the fact that for an extended amount of time, every Thursday, he just quit something. Why don't you just try that? You can pick your day of the week. You can pick what your list is. There's, it, there's not a lot of explanation. You don't have to read the book to get it. Just every week, just quit something and see how long you can go before you find you had a whole bunch of stuff in your life that just didn't need to be there. It's pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive to think about what you could get out of the way if you really wanted to hear from God. You have to create separation if you want to hear from God. Jesus' example of slipping away was he created separation between him and the world, between him and his followers, between him and the people that he loved. He had to make time for the Father. And we have to have places where we can find silence, where we can shut out other voices, especially our own. But if I think I'm hearing from God, if I believe that I'm starting to listen or trying to, to hear what he wants us to, wants us to know, how do I know for sure that it's him? I think that's important now. Samuel got to a quiet place, and he knew he was hearing something. At night, it was quiet. He was listening. He was right there in the presence of the Lord, sleeping in the presence of the Ark of the Covenant. But he went to Eli. To him, that was the most logical thing. But he got to a place where he was listening, and now we have to move from a place of listening to recognizing whether or not it's God's voice, because there's a lot of voices in our head, right? A lot of voices, doubt and shame and fear in our past and the enemy and all types of voices that could be there. We could begin to ask questions when we hear the voice of God. Is it God or is it the enemy? Are they his thoughts or are they my thoughts? Do, did we have a vision from God or was it the pizza and wings that we ate before bed last night? But seriously, here's some ways that we recognize whether or not it's the word of God. Does he confirm what you're hearing in his word? He will not go against his word. He won't go against his word. So if you're trying to determine whether or not it's the voice of God, it can be confirmed by going to the word of God. Here's the cool thing. Sometimes I'm going to, if it's okay, I'm just going to pretend that every single person in here doesn't read the Bible every single day. Just for example's sake, I know that's not true about this church. I know every single one of us is deeply in the word every single day. But you have times in studying the word. Maybe you've said, um, I've told you I'd be pretty straightforward with you because I don't want you to come and get caught in a trap with me telling me something in my office. Over the years, people have said, Pastor, I really just struggle to read the Word. The gracious part of me wants to say, I want to listen to this person, I want to help them. But the discerning part of me wants to say, you're telling me a whole lot about your spiritual life. You're telling me that you don't have a hunger and a thirst for the things of God. If you're alive in the Spirit, you have a hunger and a thirst for the things of God. And if you're struggling to, to read the Word, you need to talk about whether or not that presence of the Holy Spirit is truly filling your life. But here, if you're struggling sometimes, or you go, man, I'm just reading through Jeremiah or, or Ezekiel or, or Leviticus, and I can't find... Here's the cool thing about reading the Word of God and what makes it come alive is that the more and more that you fill, are filled with the Word of God the more quickly you'll recognize that it's his voice that's speaking to you. And that will, that will reduce a lot of heartache and a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress. Why does he have to confirm it? That's important. Maybe you're a new believer. So why, I, I know it's God speaking to me. I, I, know, his, I, I know his voice. Uh, why do I have to go to his word to confirm it? Because of your kingdom. 
Did you know you have a kingdom? By that, I mean your kingdom and my kingdom are our wants and our desires. We have wants and desires. Some of them are spiritual. Some of them are good. Hopefully, most of them are good. But our kingdom is still prevalent. What we want to do for God and what God wants to do with us is often a conflict. We saw this in the life of Paul. I've had it in my own personal life, in my own mind. Scriptures teach us that everyone does that, which is right in her own mind. Sometimes there there are decisions we can't confirm in his word. Did you know that? There are going to be times when you you can go to principles, you can go to stories, and you can believe that God's leading you one way or the other. But if I feel compelled to love my neighbor or even my enemy, the Bible confirms that that's a good thing to do. Those are easy things to do. You're hearing the voice of God. If he tells you to love another person, unequivocally, I can tell you that could be the voice of God, right? Because he wants you to love everybody. But what about where I'm supposed to live? Or what church I'm supposed to pastor? If we can't confirm something directly from the word, the word, how about this? This is kind of a tricky one, isn't it? The word tells us then what we should do next. So knowing the word helps me again. If I can't if I can't confirm something directly from the word, Proverbs tells us to seek a multitude of godly counsel. Samuel didn't know what was going on, so he went to his local spiritual authority. Local spiritual authority. All three of those words are important, by the way. It needs to be somebody that's close enough to you to understand what's going on, somebody that you truly know is spiritual and in tune with the will of God, and it needs to be an authority, not just somebody that's kind of a Christian. If you ever want to floor your pastor, call him sometime to ask him about confirming a word from the Lord instead of just giving him an update about what's going wrong in the church. In my own life, about seven years ago, a church came open. And I'm not going to tell you the whole story. I can tell you some other time if you're really interested in that in the details. But uh, in my own life, about seven years ago, a church came open, and I really believed I was hearing from God that I was the next pastor. You ever have that? God, you just, I'm supposed to be this. I'm the next, I'm the next person. I'm going to get that promotion, or this is the person I'm going to marry, or we're going to win the lottery, right? That's, that's from God. You just know. You know what I'm talking about. There's been times you know. And what we have to be careful is if we get too confident what we think we know, we're going to be highly disappointed many times. We're going to become prideful and not allow other people to be able to speak into our life. This ministry that I believed I was calling was called to couldn't have been a more perfect scenario for my family. So I thought. But as I began to have conversations with spiritual mentors and leaders in my life, I recognized there were some blind spots in my considerations. In other words, sometimes... I'm wrong. Sometimes I'm wrong. I'm going to count to three, and I want everyone to say that with me. Can you do? I'm serious. You got to say it out loud because you need to acknowledge it in your spirit that sometimes I'm wrong. All right? On the count of three, I want everyone to say, Sometimes I'm wrong. One, two, three. For some of you, that's the first time you've ever heard your spouse say those words. Seven years ago, I was a pastor. I had just quit my full-time job to go into full-time ministry. I was chasing after God. I had went to seminary. I knew the word. 
I was studying the Word of God every day. I was praying every day, and I believed I had heard a word from God. But then I let a man tell me no. Now that couldn't be, could it? That someone else could tell me no. I know God's told me. I know God's told me. Oh, will you please be so careful with that phrase? You better know that you know that you know that God told you. But then I let a man tell me no. What's that all about? Well, you see what happens to us is we forget that his kingdom isn't about me. It's about a whole body of believers and they hear from God as well. And God has taught us to trust those in authority over us. So am I saying he speaks to us all differently? Maybe, maybe not. But within ourselves, our own agendas and desires can become so strong. I'm sure, I'm sure that living the sanctified life is a continual and progressive journey where we continue to lay down our agendas and our rights and surrender our desires for the will of God. We can carnally seek spiritual leadership in our own lives to the point where we hear God only through the filter of our flesh and selfish ambitions. If you tune me out the rest of the day, I'm going to just repeat that sentence because I think it's so vital for us to hear this morning. We can carnally seek spiritual leadership in our own lives to the point where we hear God only through the filter of our flesh and our selfish ambitions and then label them as God's will. It takes a lot of maturity and strength to admit those things. But because maybe, maybe there are times that our kingdom is still a little too prominent to be overtaken by his. Here's another one for you. When you marry someone, you also marry their... All right, some of you have learned that. Maybe others, maybe that's learning for you today, I don't know. If you're not married today, please hear me so loud and incredibly clear. If their mother-in-law doesn't, if the mother-in-law doesn't like you, just run the other way. I know it's true love. I know Cupid Zero and all the fairy tales you heard. Run the other way. That's not for, well, it's probably, we could probably, I could give you some scripture on that. We'll do it in private though. I won't, I won't do it from Paul. But. If my friends best friends, long, lifelong friends, and family who have always been my good friends and looked out for me and family, if they had not approved of Allison, there's a good chance I wouldn't have married her. Now, some of you, and I'm glad I wasn't at any of your weddings, so none of you guys can hear it. So, I, you know, I can... I, it, was it, sh, did Shania Twain say you're still the one? Is that right? Like, Shania Twain said you're still the one. And if you go to the lyrics of that song, I'm not going to try to pretend I remember. I'm certainly not going to hum a few bars. But somewhere in that song was, we pro- like, we proved them all wrong. They didn't think that we would make it to marriage. You think that's making it to the wedding day? We've only just begun. We've only just begun. Be careful ever making a decision and walking around bragging going, Well, I don't care what my friends said. I don't care what my family said. We still did what we thought was best. That's a good way to be by yourself and out on an island for the rest of your life. It really is. Some of us know it from experience. It's a hard truth. Some of you said, oh, you didn't didn't really love Allison. I loved Allison enough not to drag her into a mess like that. What, by the way, what you can know, since you're just getting to know us and our family maybe here and there, 
uh, is that most of my friends and family like Allison way more than they like me. So I, I did okay. Wasn't supposed to be any amens there. But, but if you've looked up to someone or trusted their judgment your whole life, I mean, I think about if you're in here today and you've had godly parents thinking, man, I just don't know about this. I don't know about this. You can know this. If you're being parented and they're saying, I just don't know about this, inside they're screaming, please, God, don't do this. Please don't do this. Why is it that all the people that had so much wisdom and are so intelligent in our life, when they oppose what we want to do, all of a sudden they don't know anything? That seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? It sounds, in a word, if you'll allow me, kind of stupid. Kind of stupid. I, I, I can't imagine, and I, I think, I, I can't imagine that many of us in here like to hear the word no. In fact, I think unhealthy churches are built on the backs of individuals who set up shop at a church where no one would tell them no. They did. They sought out weak pastors or weak boards or weak staffs or, or determined that if they would be the loudest voice in the room, they would always get their way. That's the downfall of a church is a group full of people that won't hear the word no. It's good for your pride or your, your, your humility, however you want to look at it, to have people in your life that can tell you no. I've been so thankful for many of the no's that important people have told me. They've saved my life, I'm sure of it. How you react to the word no, N-O, how you react to that word says volumes about your character. So if we have taken time and created space to listen to God, how do we recognize that it's God? We must know God. In verse 7 of our text, it said Samuel did not know the Lord, nor had the word of the Lord yet been revealed to him. Just a quick side note, like Eli, we must be sure to help people know God. As a leader, let me tell you a mistake that I've made. And if you go into Christian leadership or you're in Christian leadership, don't make this mistake. Sometimes I've been frustrated with people not knowing what I haven't trained them to know. That's not fair, is it? I think we've been guilty of that as a church, not Cap City. I mean a church as a whole, haven't? We've brought people in. We haven't taught them adequately what to know about God, and then we've been upset with them for not being able to carry out what they didn't know. That's not fair. Sorry, just a side note there. His written word, the Lord's written word, and the principles found therein are the best source of his voice. The more you, you are in Scripture, the less you will, dis will struggle to discern if a word is from the Lord. Think of it this way. One time, I was teaching a small group, and I opened the floor to ask how different individuals recognize the voice of God. And honestly, sometimes if you teach class secretly, you're kind of like, hey, it'll be interesting to hear all these answers. And somebody's hand shot up. And he said, you know, when you have like a good buddy and you guys talk on the phone all the time, he said, you know how like after you've talked on the phone over and over for years and years and they call you and you hear their voice, there's no question that it's them. Allison could call me from any one of your phones and I would know it was her because I love her, because I know her voice, because we've spoke to each other over and over again and we know each other. If we're struggling to hear the voice of God, we're not spending enough time with him. It shouldn't be that hard, church. You know the voice of the ones you spend time. By the way, just a quick, that was before caller ID and everything, right? Talking about when you had to actually know who was, who was on the other side. But we recognize the voice of God through familiarity. 
As we transition to our last thought today, I, I just kind of said that it shouldn't be that hard. I'll just let you know that I believe that listening for and recognizing God's voice are actually super easy tasks in relationship to this last thought. Very few of us are in a place where we can say with great certainty we are fully obeying the voice, the words of God. We need to quit focusing so much on new revelation when there's still so much of it that we haven't done anything with. In fact, I'm pretty certain he's not going to speak a fresh word to you until you've done something with the last word that he's given you. So this last thought's just that we would obey the voice of God. Can you think of Samuel's difficult situation that we just read right through? He said he was terrified. And that's why I, I paused there in the text and said what he was actually terrified, what, he was terrified to do exactly what he knew the voice of God told him to do. Maybe you've been there before. God's told you to do something. You know without a doubt that it was God. Eli had even confirmed to Samuel that it was the Lord. To obey God, he had to give Eli horrible news. And Eli was his very source of life. Let me dig in here a little bit. This was him quitting his job. This was him losing his house. This was him really speaking against a spiritual authority. These are big, big ask. Obeying a new word from God usually means doing something different than the way we are currently doing it. And many times we won't obey it because it is just flat out in opposition with what we want to do. I have found that most of the time if God's talking to me, it's because he doesn't like the way I'm doing something. Every once in a while, I get this good attaboy or pat on the back that he says, John, just keep doing what you're doing. But when I go to pray, it sure does seem like the Holy Spirit's right there to say, hey, why are we still doing this? Why haven't we started doing that? Why do we still have this pride? Why do we still have this struggle? Why are we still, right? You all know what I'm talking about because you listen to the same Holy Spirit I do. When he's speaking, there's probably something that we want to change and we want to mix up. And it's going to be in opposition to what you're doing because every day, for the most part, other than when you might have to go to a job or, do, or have some obligations, you spend a whole lot of your time doing exactly what you want to do, whether you realize it or not. Even if it's just turning on Netflix for four hours and laying on the couch, you wanted to do that enough that you did it more than anything else. God says go. You want to stay. God says stay. You want to go. God says give, you want to keep. God says quit, you don't want to. God says start, it's too inconvenient. God says trust, you say, I can do it on my own. So again, we, we confirm with spiritual authority. And let me just, I, I'll preach on spiritual authority one day, but let me just give you a quick, a quick uh, thought here on spiritual authority. It doesn't mean going to your echo chambers. Everybody know what an echo chamber is? It's where you go hang out with people, and when you say something, they just echo right back. Oh, yeah, you're doing the right thing. You're doing the right thing. That's good. With no disrespect to any of these people groups that I'm mentioning, there's a good chance that your parents are echo chambers, that your spouses are echo chambers, that your best friends are going to take your side. I'm not saying don't consult with them, but you need to make sure that there's somebody there that can see past your five-year-old eyes when you looked in their eyes and they don't want to tell you no. You know what I'm talking about? You need somebody that's going to speak a challenging word into your life. You have to have people in your life that will speak hard truths, and you have to value those relationships. 
Even in my confidence in hearing the voice of God, I consistently seek counsel in those who hold spiritual authority over me. I told you my testimony of how I felt led to come to Cap City and how I, God confirmed it to me and he, bear, he bore witness to my spirit. I talked to no less than 10 different individuals in my life. This is what I'm doing. I feel God's leading me. This is why I feel God leading. And over and over and over, every one of them confirmed it for me. If it's truly a word from God, you should be able to confirm it with others who are filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you a question and not give you the answer because sometimes we wrestle with questions we don't have the answers to. If the Holy Spirit says something to me about a subject and says something different to you, could there be a chance that one of us needs to tune our hearts more to the Holy Spirit? Because I'm, sometimes he causes us to do different things in ways we don't understand. We see that in the New Testament with the Jerusalem Council. But sometimes one person or another, their kingdom's still just a little too prevalent. By the way, be in your best interest not to tell them that you think that's what the issue. But it might be a good place to wait. It might be a good place, like we talked about last week, to just withdraw yourself from the situation and say, you know, if we can't get on the same page, why don't we take a few days and pray about this? See what the Spirit's will is and come back together and see if he's not leading us to find more common ground. Because if we're not careful, if I say the Spirit's leading me to do something and you're saying the Spirit's leading you to do something and it's drastically different, there could be a chance one of us is calling the Holy Spirit a liar. Right? I'm just, I'm just doing a little deductive work there. You, but I want you to wrestle with that. There are going to be times he needs us to go different directions or that we might not have full understanding. That's a possibility. But it never hurts to back away from the situation, to wait, to pray, and then come back together. Obeying God means responding through opposition, though you may not like it, though it creates an outcome of perceived difficulty, though it's in opposition to our current situation. I'm going to invite the team uh, to come, and we're going to sing a song we sang, uh, just, we just learned, called Listening. And that's what I'm asking for you today, to consider listening, recognizing, and obeying the voice of God. Listen, recognize, obey. Take time daily to hear the voice of God. It may occasionally be some big mission or some call, but mostly small, continual cues from the Holy Spirit. I love a good Holy Spirit cue, where he just leads me into the next step, or he tells me that I need to love more, or tells me that I need to encourage more with words, but you never know what that next step of obedience, or when that next step of obedience might cause a breakthrough in the kingdom, a breakthrough in your own life, or the life of others. What if that lady wouldn't have stood up last night, David? What if she wouldn't have stood up? I'm not saying God's telling you to stand up in front of a group of people, but never discount the cue of the Holy Spirit, the movement of the Holy Spirit that's just trying to direct you in your everyday life. In our story today, the beginning of chapter 3, said Samuel was sleeping where the ark of God was. He was in the very place that they recognized as being filled with God's presence. How horrible would it be today if we were in God's presence and missed what he had because we failed to listen, to recognize, and obey. Would you stand with me, please? And uh, at this point, you all know that it's appropriate to pray. It's appropriate to stand in worship or stay seated if that's best for you. But as you leave this place today, 
I wonder maybe if even if one of those three words jumps out at you that you need to begin to work on a little bit. Listen, recognize, obey. Listen, recognize, obey. Listen, recognize. And then no matter how much it disrupts your life, it'll be better on the back end if you just obey. Father, we pray. where you're speaking this morning, you would be heard. That we would quiet every voice but your own. So many of us know exactly what you need us to do next, Lord. Would you give us the courage? Would you give us the strength? Would you increase our faith and our hope to make that next step? How we love you, Jesus. We thank you that we do not need a high priest to intercede for us because we know that you are at the right hand of the Father ever interceding on our behalf. God, I believe even when we aren't praying, you're doing that. What an awesome, awesome Savior you are. But God, I'm sure if people would begin to obey all that you're telling them to say or, and all the things that you're telling them to do, that we would see revival run rampant in this place. So God, maybe even today you would convict a heart that would say or ask the question, God, am I doing something to get in the way? Because if so, I want to change it. And then help them to take that next step in Jesus' name. Amen.
I wonder this week, or even right now, if he's asking you to obey something and you're struggling with it. God, I can't do that. I've had this habit for years or decades. I've tried to beat it so many times. God, that's too much money to give. We can't afford it. God, I can't serve. People make fun of me. I can't witness. I'll become that person in the office. What if, just like the words of that song said, what if we would say, but God, I know you can see what I cannot see. So I'll trust you, and I'll take that step. That first step's a big one. Whatever area of your life you're trying to make that that first step, you make that first step, he's going to bless you, and he's going to give you the strength to do it through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It's a big piece. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. We'll let you be seated this morning, and uh, we're going to say goodbye to our online, uh, our online uh, crew today. Thank you for joining us, and uh, we hope that you'll join us on Rathmel Road here in the very near future. The road seems to be closed, but you can still get in the building. You just might have a little struggle getting out, but you can hang out with us a little longer. So, hey, we're going to invite our ushers to come forward to receive the morning tithes and offering, and uh, as they come, uh, you know... I've just felt led to do this since I've been here. I've just, you know, as a pastor, like you have to take an offering somewhat like 55,000 times in your life, David, right? How do I say something unique? And lately, God just impressed on me. What if we just applied the sermon right to what we're doing?